if we're talking about the enterprise level clients, I think this is a completely different story because here what we want to do is like be two steps ahead and prevent cancellation requests from happening in the first place. Yeah, like I said, lots of different automation processes. What we do is we can create different workflows in our CSM that will warn us for anything that might be alarming. You know, for example, there hasn't been a lot of activity from the client for a while. I don't know, they downsized, they've been unresponsive to our emails, things like that. And then we involve the customer success manager as soon as possible, like to try to re-engage the client, to try to see what's going on, if they have any issues or, or something like that. So basically looking for the warning side even before the cancellation happens, just in order to prevent it. Welcome to Retention Talk. I'm Neil Desai, and we're talking to the best minds in the world of product and customer success to bring you actionable strategies on reducing churn and boosting retention. This week, we're talking to Maya, a customer success team manager at WorkPost. In this episode, we talk about driving automation to form as many connections as possible, gathering information right when a customer cancels, and pay close attention to what Maya says about upgrading customers to annual plans. Maya, thanks so much for being here. I'm super pumped to have you on Retention Talk and share a little bit more about, you know, the work you guys do on the customer success team to, to really drive retention. So we'd love a little bit of background into like, how'd you end up at WorkPulse, YCS, and, and tell us your story. I joined WorkPulse almost four months ago at a very interesting stage, um, leading to very small, still very small teams, support and success. But like I said, it's a very interesting stage because the company is growing a lot and we're exploring lots of different opportunities at the same time. So both trying to expand the teams, but be mindful about it, use different automation techniques, broaden our tool portfolio. So yeah, it's been very fun four months for me. And as far as my background, I actually have a master's degree in English. So yeah, I started teaching straight after university, like most, <laughs> most of my colleagues do. Unfortunately, education is a bit of a rigid system, you know, you're just a very tiny part of it. You're not really able to make uh, much of an impact. So I kind of wanted something that's more challenging and dynamic. So I landed my first job in an IT sector as a software support specialist in another SaaS company. Eventually, I volunteered to lead the support team. And what was interesting here is that basically... Uh, at that time, we were doing support, but it was called support, but actually we were all uh, like uh, an all-around customer-facing team. So all of us were doing sales support and customer success at the same time, depending on the client. So I gained a lot of, a lot of different experience in multiple customer-facing roles. I volunteered to lead the team eventually because we were operating without a, a manager for a while. I really liked leading the team. I found that it's very similar to teaching, even though this may sound a bit weird. But, you know, in order to lead the team, you need to be able to reach different personalities, understand them and motivate them. And then in order to be a good success manager for your clients, you need to do the same. And then it all goes back to teaching, you know, where you still need to, like I said, be, be able to reach, reach different personalities. To make this parallel is, I remember when I was in high school, my English teacher told me something like, uh, if you're good at maths, you're going to be good at English grammar. And I thought that was pretty random at the time. But then when I got into customer success, I actually understood what he meant. And I understood why I love it so much. Because, you know, if you want to understand a software really good, you need to go into the intricacies. You need to see how it works learn all the rules, all the conditions, and then you need to be a good educator and transfer all your knowledge to your clients. 
and it's the same with grammar. So this is basically how I kind of connected my background to working in customer success. That sounds great. So just to give you some context, like something that we're trying to really develop here is like a framework on how product and CS teams can really, on a tactical level, work on improving retention month over month, right? And so something that I'm, I'm always curious about for a company is what happens when someone cancels? What is that experience like, right? From a CS perspective, but also from a product perspective, take me through sort of like what that process looks like today and what you guys you know, sort of do to, to sort of curb cancellations? I think this also depends on the customer segment, just going back to, to creating different segments, which really helps uh, in this process as well. So if we are talking smaller to medium customers, usually what happens is they submit a cancellation request and then our support team takes it from there. I skipped one part because as soon as the cancellation requests come in, like I said, we use a lot of different automation tools. So we have like a chatbot that jumps into the conversation and then prompts for the cancellation request even before the customer reaches life support. So we basically tend to get as much information as possible about the cancellation request before the customer even reaches our support agents. And this is how we know how to respond, basically. Because then you already have feedback on why they are considering cancellation. And then you can counter argue that if there's space for that, of course. We also try to be mindful so that this process is not like frustrating or painful. You know, you cannot let the conversation go back and forth too many times. But basically, as soon as we gather everything that we need, usually what we do is if there's nothing we can do, like if this decision came from the very top of the company or I don't know, the reason is something that's completely out of our hands, like the company's bankrupt or something like that, then I guess that's it. We cancel the subscription. We will always try to like ping this customer in six months time or something like this, just to see if the situation has changed. I think that's a very good tactic because literally you have nothing to lose. And then if, it, if we're talking about the enterprise level clients, this is a completely different story. If we're talking about the enterprise level clients, I think this is a completely different story because here what we want to do is like be two steps ahead and prevent cancellation requests from happening in the first place. Yeah, like I said, lots of different automation processes. What we do is we can create different workflows in our CSM that will warn us for anything that might be alarming. You know, for example, there hasn't been a lot of activity from the client for a while. I don't know, they downsized, they've been unresponsive to our emails, things like that. And then we involve the customer success manager as soon as possible, like to try to re-engage the client, to try to see what's going on, if they have any issues or, or something like that. So basically looking for the warning side even before the cancellation happens, just in order to prevent it. Awesome. So that was that was super helpful. So it sounds like, you know, the best case scenario is to identify early signals or signs of unhappy customers, uh, segment them and, and, and sort of engage them with your CS reps. And then obviously, if they do ultimately end up canceling, really, really try to understand the root cause was and, and, and tackle that, right? Yeah, it's always about getting, the, getting exactly. the ultimate why. On the flip side, I know there's portion of, of, of churn and cancellations come from like failed credit card payments and, and unable to be receiving payment. So what, what happens in those cases where, you know, someone's payment might fail? How do you sort of respond to that customer in, in that situation? Yeah, well, I guess in these situations, it's also important to have a good payment processor. We rely on our payment processor, for example, to automatically try to rebuild every time something like this happens. But then also for larger clients, our CSMs would follow up manually. And when I say follow up, I don't mean one time. I mean like email the client if 
they are still unresponsive, let's try calling them, let's try pushing an in-app message to them, anything that uh, that will help us reach them. But then, of course, if we are talking an enterprise-level client, then we are, again, basically relying on our success managers to own the renewal process until the payment is in so that we don't get to a situation where the payment has failed. So I like to create, for example, an automated health check for our CSMs in our CRM. So anytime an enterprise-level customer is up for renewal in 45 days, let's start the dialogue with them right away, create a task for our CSMs to get involved, for example. Got it. Okay, cool. That was helpful. So like, remind me what you guys use as a payment gateway. Like, what does that process look like right now? We're using Stripe at the moment. And then lastly, you know, something that we also see particularly helpful in how folks try to structure different types of pricing plans is is term. You know, getting folks from monthly to annual plans and encouraging term folks to sign up for longer term plans. What's the process look like right now for encouraging users to sort of upgrade to longer term plans? For us, what we do is we encourage clients to switch to annual payments by offering a special discount. You can either pay upfront or if not, if you prefer monthly billing, we can sign a contract for a year and then you can still pay the discounted price, but on a monthly basis. But then we would also try to be proactive and send outbound messages to our clients. For example, if someone's been with us for three months, we can push them an in-app message saying something like, hey, thanks for, for being with us. Have you considered switching to an annual subscription? This way you can claim a discount. So this is something that helps. And then in, in terms of different upgrades, what we do is, like I said, on the enterprise level, we tend to meet with our clients quite often, and then basically explore if if there's any chance of expansion, seeing how many users they currently have because our system uh, is charged per user. So seeing if there are any teams within the company that still don't use WorkPulse, checking how we can get those teams involved as well, stuff like that. Awesome. A couple more things here as we sort of like come on the flip side of this is as you sort of think about your time, you know, and I know it's relatively new, but even just looking back at all the customer experiences you've had and working on on driving retention, like what's something that you're really proud of having built, you know, during your, your stint there? Like I said, I think I can be proud of creating structures within each team I've been in because usually what I've seen in the past is when the workload grows a lot. People just tend to get more people involved. They get new team members without actually thinking about growing both, let's say, horizontally and vertically. So what I would do is like if the team has grown like and has more than 10 people, let's see how we can organize these people to be more efficient. Or let's see if it's really necessary for all of them to report to one person or if we can have like different supervision levels that are in between the team members and the team manager. So this is something that I really enjoy doing, like uh, optimizing the workload and optimizing the way support and success teams are organized. And then at the same time, especially now in WorkPulse, bringing different tools into everything and seeing how we can optimize the workload without even hiring new team members because we can include different chatbots, have a lot of different automated processes that will offload this time from our support and success agents. This is something I really enjoy. Perfect. Thank you. That was great. I, I guess if people want to find you or find WorkPulse, how can they learn more? 
Well, for all things WorkPulse, I suggest going to our website and then, of course, all other social channels. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm happy to connect with anyone interested in customer success on LinkedIn. So you guys can find me there. Perfect. Well, Maya, thank you. Thank you so much. That was great. I, I had a lot of fun and appreciate the time. If there's anything we can do to help on any of these things, let us know. We're pretty, pretty deep into all things subscriptions and B2B SaaS. So happy to help. But yeah, appreciate the time again today. Thank you. It's exciting to, to be here. And it's actually quite interesting to see what you guys are building. So cool. A huge thank you to Maya for lending their time to the podcast. With their help, we've leveled up our retention knowledge. To recap, we talked about driving automation to form as many connections as possible. Segmenting clients is the first step in retaining them. Different clients have different MRR and different needs. Utilizing automation tools to determine these segments will cut time in figuring out the customer problems to get quicker answers. Second, gather as much information as possible in your cancellation flow. We talked a lot about adding friction to the cancellation process, but Maya illuminated that oftentimes different segments require different cancellation processes. It might be better to reach out to enterprise level customers preemptively, whereas smaller to medium customers require help from support at the point of cancellation. And lastly, being really proactive about upgrading customers to longer term plans. If you have a customer for a few months and usage looks good, you can use push notifications or emails to ask them if they've considered upgrading. Using a discount is a great way to get folks to upgrade as well. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Retention Talk. Don't forget to subscribe at retentiontalk.com. And if you want to help spread the word, tag me on Twitter at neildesai23 and let's dish on today's episode. Please give us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice and let your friends know as well. And if you know a great guest, send me a message at neil at profitwell.com. This has been a Profitwell Recur production, the largest, fastest-growing media network dedicated to the world of subscriptions. 